Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for this morning and how songs bring us to a place of examining truth, content, and our understanding. But Father, we need to understand from the truth, and so we look to the only source where it's found, your word, which can be trusted and will not fail. And so again this morning, God, we come back to it. We ask that your spirit would teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. While you're turning there, I want to make two more announcements. Um, I was caught off guard this morning with announcements and left out a couple. Uh, first of all, uh, the Operation Christmas Child, there are two weeks left. They are due on November the 16th at the Sunday evening service. Our church goal is 250 shoe boxes. You don't have to use those boxes, but you can. Those are, those are available for you to take to help you out. Uh, the video was about that. We've been talking about this now for five straight weeks. But they are due on Sunday night, November the 16th. We will ship those out Monday morning on the 17th. And so I encourage everybody to take at least one box. If you can take more, please do. Choose who you want to give it to, boy or a girl, what age group. The pamphlet is inside of it. Um, and let's go, let's go from there. And let's try to reach our goal with 250 shoeboxes from our entire church. If you have children, this is something awesome to do at Christmas time or in this holiday season to teach your children about giving too. Uh, that, that's, the, that's the first thing. The second announcement I want you to, to know um, is that um, our church throughout the, the football season does pregame meals for the high school football team. We, we've been doing that for years and we are glad to do that. Well, if you haven't heard, the Fairdale High School football team won the district this year. They are the champions in 2014 and we are happy for that. We are we are happy to be community supporter in whatever way we can. Um, and, and I know feeding them is not a big deal, but it's a way that we are supportive of the high school and of the athletes there and especially the football program. Last year, they didn't win a single game and they're district champions this year. So we celebrate with them because of that. They now have home games for the playoffs that start this Friday and we are feeding them again this Friday. I didn't want that to go without y'all hearing. If you can be here at two thirty Friday to help out, we need help in the kitchen. We need help cleaning up. We need help just loving on the uh, loving on the players. OK, so if you can be here Friday at two thirty, please do. We'll be done by four. Um, and then also, I don't know if you like sitting in the cold. I don't know if you like uh, football even. But if you can go Friday night, the game's at 730, go up here to the high school and cheer for the home team. And hopefully they'll, uh, hopefully they'll win. And, and you know how playoffs go. They'll get another game. And so let's be supportive of them in that way. All right. Now back to the Bible. John chapter 3. John chapter 3 is one of the most well-known passages it's in this chapter that we get verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That is without a doubt the most common and most familiar Bible verse that there is. If anybody knows anything about the Bible, it is most often that verse. But before you get to that verse, beginning up at the beginning of chapter three, is a passage that you should know. You know that we finished a few weeks ago uh, me preaching through the whole book of Exodus. And we spent a lot of time in the book of Exodus, me trying to teach the whole thing to you. You know, my number one job as a pastor, my biggest responsibility is to get you all to know what God has said. I'm not sure if y'all think much about what my job is or what my job description is or rather should be. And I'm sure you've probably got your opinions about what it should be and probably got your opinions about how well or not well I am at it. Um, but... 
in my opinion, what my biggest responsibility is, is to make sure that you all know what God has said. And to the extent that you do not know what God has said, I'm concerned, I'm burdened, I'm, I'm troubled. Um, and if that's my fault, then I'm, I'm upset with myself and therefore mindful of the judgment of God, which he says those who teach and lead will be judged more strictly. And so I want you all to hear that part of the reason why we preach and teach the way we do and part of the reason why I try to stick to this so much is because that is what God has told us to do. I want you to know it. Here's what I'm saying in another way. If there are some of you that attend here on a regular basis that are a part of our church and you don't know what God has said, you don't know what the Bible's truth is. You don't know if if that's from the Bible or if it's not or if that's gospel truth or if it's not. You don't know those things. Then then that concerns me and I want you to. So I want to every week get better and better and better at explaining the word of God to you. And I want every week for you to get better and better at coming consistently and listening. Okay, that's what we're hoping for, because we're not going to know the word of God if we're never hearing it. That's just very simple. And so we want that to happen. Well, today's passage is another one that I've been wanting to preach on. You remember last week I told you that we finished Exodus. I'm not going to start another book and go verse by verse through it until we get to the new year. Christmas is coming and I'm going to do a series on Christmas sermons. That'll be in a little bit. But until we get there, I've got several things I want to preach on. Last week, you remember, I preached on hardship and trials in John chapter 16 and Jesus saying, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And I I told you about having a foundation in God that says trials or circumstances or whatever life brings is not going to destroy me. Because my home is in heaven and God will take care of me. That's what I preached on last week. Well, today and well, next week, and I really want to hear this too. It's kind of like another announcement. I want you all to hear this. I've been working now for about three weeks on preaching a sermon on why all the emphasis on young people. And I kind of want next Sunday to preach this kind of vision casting sermon on why we do and will and are emphasizing young people so much. Okay, that's what I'm going to preach on next week. If you have anybody, you know, who has kids or teenagers or looking for a church or 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 anything like that, bring them next Sunday. And I'm going to preach my heart out on why all the emphasis on young people. I'm going to tell you why we're doing it. And I'm going to urge you and pray that you would get on board with emphasizing young people. We're going to certainly see it all from the scriptures. Okay, but today that's next week. But today is a topic that we've got to know. If you're a Christian or a churchgoer and you don't understand what we mean by the new birth or what Jesus meant when he said born again, then we're in trouble. And we're not there and we have a big hole in understanding the word of God. When Jesus says born again or new birth, he's meaning this word that we use in theology called regeneration. Regeneration. And regeneration is when God takes somebody and makes them new. It is this entirely big change that God works in somebody. That is called regeneration. Jesus called it born again or the new birth. It is when somebody gets saved. If you don't understand this, hear me. You very well may not be saved. And when we say you're not saved... What we mean is that you are going to hell. I believe that. 
And I don't want any of you all to go to hell. I don't want any of your neighbors to go to hell. I don't want anybody living in your household to go to hell. So when Jesus says, you're not going to heaven. You're not going to see the kingdom. You're not a child of God. You and I need to listen. And he gives very clear teaching on what requires entry to heaven. You must be born again. You must be made new. And so today, from a passage that's also familiar, I pray, I pray, I pray that you all would gain understanding from what Jesus says. It's what He does when He changes the life. This week, I had somebody text me, what's the difference between a Baptist and a Seventh-day Adventist? And I said a few things. They said, well, well, basically what I'm asking is, are they Christians? At least once a week, I have somebody say, hey, Josh, what's the difference between a Baptist and a Catholic? People are always asking. And while we ask these differences, while we ask these questions and we've got uh, concern about what are the similarities or what are the differences. Ultimately, what we're getting at every time we ask those things are, are they saved or are they not saved? Are they going to heaven too or are they not? That's what people are wanting to know. Because at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. Are you on God's side or are you not? And let me refresh you just a little bit today. In heaven, there will not be denominations. There will not be categories. I know our sign says out front, the first Baptist church of Fairdale. I I know that. But we won't have that label in heaven. Do you understand that all of that... It's not a bad thing. Denomination is not a bad thing. All of that is to say those people over there believe something differently from the scriptures that we believe. And sometimes it causes you to not be saved. And sometimes it's a minor thing. It's just showing our differences. And it's okay to have differences. Some of us in here passionately love the Kentucky Wildcats. And some of us in here don't. That's okay. If it's not okay, then... Y'all need to go back to social media and live in your little bubble. But it should be okay to have differences. Listen, in heaven, they're not going to be Baptists or Catholics or any other denomination. There will be people that have trusted in Christ for salvation. And if anybody anywhere has not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, they will not go to heaven. That's as clear as I can say what God has said. And so, you and I need to work hard to understand, am I trusting in Christ for the forgiveness of sins? And so, you and I measure... Every church, every denomination, and every religion based off, have they trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of sins? When somebody says to me, are Catholics saved, are Seventh-day Adventists saved, are Baptists saved, are Independent Baptists saved, and they ask all of these different questions, you know what it comes down to? Are they, according to the truth of the Bible, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins? 
So, you and I must be people who know what God has said about salvation and believe it. Look with me, if you will, at John chapter 3. I give you three points today. The first is that without regeneration or the new birth, you cannot be saved. The second is regeneration or the new birth is needed because of our spiritual state. And the last, thirdly, regeneration, new birth is like the wind. Read with me. Chapter three, beginning in verse one. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. A ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Point number one, without regeneration or this new birth or being born again, you cannot be saved. We have this man, Nicodemus. He is a Pharisee of Pharisees. He is a ruler of the Jews. This man is very, very religious. This man would have been able to tell you what the entire Old Testament was about. This man would have been able to tell you everything, honestly, from Genesis to Malachi, those first 39 books of the Bible, which we call the Old Testament. He would have known it through and through. He would have walked a straight line better than ever. Everybody in this room could walk a straight line when it comes to obedience to God based off our own efforts, not based off Holy Spirit power, but based off our own efforts. This man was a very, very religious man. And yet he is living in the time when Jesus Christ is on earth and living at the time when Jesus Christ is on earth means that you could possibly have the opportunity that many of us have wished for before. You could just go up to Jesus yourself and say, hey, could I ask you a question? Haven't every one of you thought, man, if I could just ask Jesus a question, I sure would like to because I need some clearing up on this. And that's where Nicodemus is, because Nicodemus loved his Bible. He read it all the time. He knew it. He loved it. He had committed himself to the work of it. He was a leader of the Jews. You know, the Jews are supposed to be the people of God. Nicodemus was an awesome guy in many ways. And he comes to Jesus as he comes at night. Now, there's a lot of reasons why people think he came at night. But I think it's very simple. He came at night so that it was not a big deal, so that people didn't see him, so he would find Jesus alone and there wouldn't be all this drama about why is he talking to Jesus and curious and all that kind of stuff. Because the Jews did not believe Jesus was God's Savior coming to save. They didn't believe that. So Nicodemus comes at night. I think that's very simple. And here's what he says. Rabbi, which means good teacher, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, let's wait right there for just a second. He hasn't asked a question yet, has he? No, that's not a question. That's a statement. And it's a very respectful statement. He's building Jesus up and he says, look, Rabbi. So he gives him honor and respect. He says, we know that you're from God. That's a big statement. We know that you are from God. That's a big statement. He recognizes something in Jesus that they have not recognized before in other people that have come. And believe me, just like today and back then, there are people everywhere, every corner, everywhere you turn trying to speak for God. There are people every single place you look trying to speak for God and tell you what God's saying and what's religious and what's that. It's all over the place. People trying to give answers from God. It was then, too. 
Nicodemus was one of them. He was a leader of the religious. He was a leader of the religious party that was the biggest of all. He was the leader of the religious group worldwide that was recognized as the children of God. Those descended from Abraham, the ones that God created way back in the beginning. He was a leader of that elite group called the Jews, the people of Israel, God's children. He was a leader of them. And he recognizes this man, Jesus, is not like other teachers. He has a gift about him that shows he's from God. He goes on to say, no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. He is not just saying that you've got a gift of God. He is saying God is with you. As you read the New Testament, as you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, specifically as you read the Gospel of John, you will see that one of the things that the Bible is doing time and time again as you move forward, it is convincing us that Jesus is God himself. I believe that anybody who does not believe Jesus is God cannot be saved. You must believe Jesus is God. This is one of the things that Nicodemus is recognizing. Now, he's not fully to the place of going, you're God. But he is so in awe of the, of the power and, and, and teaching of Jesus. You've got to be from God. No one can do what you're doing unless God is with you. So he's saying you're from God and God is with you. See, he's starting to put all this together. He, i got to go at night and talk to him about this. But he doesn't ask a question. Jesus answers, verse 3, truly, truly. You have truly, truly a lot in the Gospels. Jesus uses this phrase a lot. And when he says truly, truly, he means, let me tell you, man, absolutely, hear me out. Hey, listen for just a second. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Big statement. Huge statement. If you and your family are trying to get into Bible memory while you sit around the dinner table before you pray, start with this one. It's a short one. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And everybody in the room today, if you wake up on a Sunday morning and try to make it to church, here's what's obvious. You're wanting to go to heaven. You're wanting to see the kingdom of God. I know that you are. Jesus makes it very clear in a very short verse, John 3, 3. What do you need to go to heaven? The new birth. You must be born again. How so? Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus says. You sure about that? Yes, you must be born again. Point number one, without the new birth, you cannot be saved. You will not see the kingdom of heaven. You will not be with God forever. You are not saved. And I'm telling you that the new birth, being born again, is regeneration. R.C. Sproul writes, regeneration, listen to me, is the act of God alone in which he renews the human heart, making it alive when it was dead. That's what the new birth is. God takes somebody and makes them new, gives them life when they were dead. In regeneration, listen to this, God acts at the origin and deepest point of the human person. This means, listen, 
Because this is the part that you all do not believe unless you've been taught well. Listen, this means that there is no preparation, no preceding disposition in a sinner that requests or contributes to the new life given by God. God didn't give you the new birth because you believe. God didn't give you the new birth because you got baptized. God didn't give you the new birth because you are now walking in obedience. God gave you the new birth just because he wanted to. And every single thing that you've ever done in Christianity has come because of the new birth. You didn't believe and then God saved you. God saved you and you believed. Teacher, we know that you've come from God. No one can do these things unless God is with him. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I want to think about this. If we're saying that regeneration is what God does in the heart when he makes us alive when we are dead, then what we're getting at here is that the things that you and I do do not contribute to it. And that's what came from that quote that I read. So I want you to hear that being saved is something that God has done. It's not so much what we have done. And yet, when you and I talk all the time about what God is doing in our lives, we tend to almost default into how well we're doing or how well we're not doing. And so little of it speaks to what God has done. Yet, when we get back to the good old songs that we sing, we hear things like, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I want you to think about this. If you are lost and somebody finds you, did you do that or did the finding person do that? The finding person. If you were blind and now you see, did you do that or did the person that gave you sight do that? The person that gave you sight did that. When Lazarus was laying dead in the grave, did he have anything to do at all with him coming out of the grave? No. If Jesus had not come and said, Lazarus, come out, he'd still be in the grave right now. Well, what brought him out? God did. He made him alive. That's what the new birth is. In a very spiritual sense, happening inside of us. And so I want you to think about this for just a second. Have you been born again? I know you're attending church now. I'm thrilled about that. I know you're listening to preaching on a regular basis. I'm thrilled about that. I know you're trying really hard to do the right things, live a good life. I know you're starting to invite people to church. I know your relationships are getting strengthened. I know that you're thinking more positive. I know that you're trying to pray a little bit more. Have you been born again, though? Has God come to your heart and said, come alive? Has God created in you a a, a different disposition now towards sin and death? Do you have the new birth? Is there a new life in you? But it keeps going. The first point is without regeneration or the new birth, you cannot be saved. But let's keep going to number two. The new birth is needed because of our spiritual state. Look with me at verse four. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Obviously, Nicodemus does not understand. And Nicodemus is not thinking at all spiritually. I want you to hear that. 
Because people can't think spiritually if they don't have spiritual life. Now, that's something that you are not. It might sound a little complicated right now. That's something that's very, very real. These are the conversations that we have uh, throughout the week all the time. People cannot think spiritually if they don't have spiritual life. For you to think that this is talking about going back into your mom and being born a second time physically is ridiculous sounding to us people who are spiritual. But Nicodemus, who is a leader of the religious party, the biggest religious party that there is, he thinks, go back to new birth, go back to my mom. What is he talking about? Is what Nicodemus is thinking. Nicodemus says in verse four, how? How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Verse five, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you. Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. In many ways, Jesus says the same thing again that he said in verse three. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless, unless, unless there is a new birth inside of you, unless that happens, you will not go to heaven. You will not be a child of God. You cannot be a child of God. You cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus says that. But in verse five, he says it a little bit differently with water and spirit. And there is a ton of debate about what Jesus means means by water and spirit. But here's what I want you to know that it means. He's talking about a cleansing. He's talking about there must be a cleansing that happens in us that washes away our sins. This morning, I don't really know how this happened. This morning, I was about to leave out the house and the kids weren't ready yet. So I was telling them bye. And Eli broke into this big story about last night. He watched Walker, Texas Ranger. Y'all know Walker, Texas Ranger? Chuck Norris. It's like, Dad, I tell you, they, they love Jesus. I say, really? He said, yeah, Walker, Texas Rangers, this guy, and he got, he got arrested and they put him in prison. And in prison, he sat down and the guy in the prison cell beside him or prison room, I don't know, he didn't say cell, prison room beside him told him a Bible verse. And that guy in prison prayed, God, I, I messed up. I need you to wash away my sins. Folks, when you're aware that you've messed up, you're aware that you're not right. And when you're aware that you're not right, you know and you know and you know that you need forgiveness. It is only in our pride and in our arrogance and our being blinded by our goodness that we start thinking we're not desperately needy of God. Number two, regeneration of the new birth is needed because of our spiritual state. Jesus says, unless somebody has been washed, unless somebody has been spiritually cleansed, unless they have been washed clean of all of their sins, unless they are completely pure on the inside, they will not go to heaven. And when you and I hear completely pure on the inside, we think, I don't have a chance. And that's exactly where God wants us to be. If you've never thought, I don't have a chance to make it to heaven with this lack of obedience. If you've never thought that, then you're not going to heaven. I hate to tell you that. The people that are going to heaven are the people who said, I don't have a chance. But when they said, I don't have a chance, they heard God say, but with me, there's forgiveness. Jesus answers back when Nicodemus has that foolish answer about going into his mother's womb and being born. Jesus says, no. No, you've got to be born of the flesh. You've got to be born of the water and born of the spirit. Now look at verse six. 
He explains it a little bit further. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Listen, everybody in here has been born of the flesh. All of us. That's not what he's talking about. It doesn't matter if you're born to a Baptist preacher, if you're born to a heathen. It doesn't matter if you're born to somebody who's never once thought about God. It doesn't matter if your parents have been trying to convince you since you were born that you don't need church and you don't need religion and all that stuff's just a bunch of phony. Because there's a lot of parents out there trying to do that. It doesn't matter what parents you have, no matter where you're born, we're all in the same position when we're born. We're born in the flesh and we've sinned against God and we're not right. And some of us turn out all right, some of us turn out like we're in a mess. But before God, we're all desperately in a mess. You need the Spirit. You need the spiritual birth. You need the new life. R.C. Sproul goes on to say, not in response to our merit, but freely in love, God speaks the word and raises the dead. We need the regeneration and new birth because of our spiritual state. Y'all, we are not in a position to ever save ourselves. I wish you could be here at nine o'clock on a Sunday morning and hear us pray. And my prayer is never, ever. I hope that they're in a good mood today and they think about walking the aisle. Or I hope that they'll give me their ear for a minute. and I might lead them in a prayer that will save them. Or I hope that they've got their act together and they're ready to just make a change in their life. Or I hope they're willing to take a look in the mirror and fix themselves today. We never pray that. I don't believe in that. Our prayers are very heartfelt and I sit right here on this step every single Sunday morning while everybody else sits there and I'm praying, God, would you by the spirit give the new birth? God, would you convict of sins and give life and raise the dead and cause people to believe? And we do that every Sunday because the Bible right here, Jesus is saying they're not going to unless I make them believe. There must be a new birth. God's got to save people if anybody's going to be saved. I'm not looking for you all to get it together. I'm looking through the power of this word, through the power of the spirit, going through this room, changing your hearts. Listen to how Paul says it in Ephesians 2. And you've heard this passage. Listen. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Dead. The Bible calls you dead, and I know you think that you're a good person, but the Bible says you're so sinful, you're dead in your sins. Dead. Literally dead. Dead people don't do anything. Nothing. And I know you're living and you're doing well and you're doing a lot of good in earth. I'm not saying you're not good people. You are good people. But you're good in comparison to worse people. Please be honest enough to admit that. There's some really good people in this room. But you're good in, in comparison to worse people. Compared to God, you're not. You've sinned at least once. That's made you guilty. And being guilty makes you dead. And if you're dead, you're not going to heaven. You need to be made alive. And when God makes you alive, it's called the new birth. It's called regeneration. And that's what I'm preaching on. And so what Nicodemus needed in John chapter three is the same thing that every one of us need, myself especially, is life from God. We desperately, desperately, desperately need it. Sproul goes on to write, without the grace of God, sinners cannot find the door. Listen, let alone force their way in. Elsewhere, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And in speaking about salvation, Jesus said, without God, nothing is possible. You're not going to get on the right track. You're not going to get on the narrow path. You're not going to enter through the door. You're not going to do anything well for Jesus' glory. It's, it's not possible. 
until God gives the new birth. Now, this is good old history of the Bible, history of Christianity, preaching and teaching from John chapter 3. But I think in many ways we don't know it. We haven't remembered it. We've forgotten. I think many of you haven't been in church very long. And that's okay. I'm glad that you're here. So I want to teach it. John chapter 3, You Must Be Born Again, was Billy Graham's favorite thing to preach. For those of y'all who've listened to Billy Graham. Our spiritual state, folks, is not a good one. Our credentials for getting ourselves to heaven are zero. If I was to ask you, are, are you saved? If you said anything about what you're doing, it's not a fitting answer. I mean that wholeheartedly. I mean, my job has me doing spiritual things. None of that means I'm going to heaven. None of that. Has Jesus saved me? Has Jesus saved you? Do you have the new birth? Has God worked in your heart? Has he changed you? Our spiritual condition is one that will not save us. We are dead in our sins. You've got to be born of the Spirit. Number three, regeneration of the new birth is like the wind. And this is where this passage gets so good. Look at verse seven. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. See, Jesus knows the heart of Nicodemus. And Jesus knows that Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about? The Bible tells us in many passages that unless God gives us understanding, we're not going to understand. Unless God makes the dead alive or makes the blind see or the deaf hear, we're not going to understand. The Bible says it a hundred times. That's why there's people confused all over the place. That's why our world is full of religious people that are messing up religious works in the world. Because people don't understand. I know it's a mess out there. I know it causes a lot of people to get frustrated. I know it causes a lot of people to give up and say, I'm done with religion. But not the people that know the truth. We just think it's a shame and it's sad. Jesus says to him, listen, let me remind you, he's talking to the leader of the Jews. You know how big the Jewish religion is. He's talking to the leader and he's saying to him, man, you got to be born of God. You got to have a new birth. You got to be spiritual. And Nicodemus doesn't get it. You mean go back into my mom's womb? He sounds like a fool asking that question because of how far away he is from understanding the truth about what saves us and gets us to heaven. And so in verse 7, Jesus says, do not marvel at this. Folks, listen. I don't know where you came from or how you got here today. Don't marvel at what I'm telling you Jesus said. Believe this. Believe the Word of God. We are continually moving more and more in a direction to where people do not want to believe the Word of God. They don't want to believe half of what the Word of God says. They don't want to believe any of what the Word of God says. Please believe this part. Don't think that Jesus says you must be born again or else you're not going to heaven and think, well, I'm not so sure about that. Say, God, make me born again, please. God, give me new life. Forgive me of my sins. Create in me a clean heart. Give me life. Raise the dead. Give me sight. Give me here. Give me understanding that I would be saved and on my way to heaven. Don't marvel at how confusing this is. Say it's not confusing. I'm in a bad state spiritually. I must confess my sins and run to the one who will rescue me and save me. Do not marvel at this. But then look what he says. And I want to end here at verses eight and nine. 
the wind. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound. You do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And in many ways, this sounds like Jesus is like, what are you talking about? Like he's out there. But yet in many ways, this is so good. You know what the wind is. You cannot see wind. You cannot see wind. I don't know if you've ever thought about it before, but you can't see wind. You can see what the wind is doing. You can see leaves flying off a tree. You can see a flag blowing off a pole. You can see what the wind is doing, but you cannot see the wind. Wind is air that's moving. And you can't see it. Jesus tells us that what God is doing in the world, spiritual work, the new birth, creating the kingdom of God, making the children of God is like the wind. You can't tell. We do not know right now if the Spirit is in here causing you to like this sermon or not. I can't tell right now if you're liking what's happening around here. I can't tell right now if the Word of God is opening up your eyes to what's being said. But what you can see is the fruit from the wind. Is it windy outside? I don't know. It depends on if the trees are blowing, right? Is it windy in here? I don't know. It depends if people are trusting In Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And he makes a statement to Nicodemus that says, Nicodemus, I realize that you're this intellectual. I realize that you're academic. I I realize, man, you're a pretty sharp dude. And you're thinking, I'm going to try to figure this out. I want to know about God. Here's this teacher that teaches like nobody else. It's obvious that you're from God. and It's obvious that God is with you. I'm trying to figure this out is what Nicodemus is saying. Jesus says, I I get that. I'm just going to break it down to you. You're not going to get it from intellectual stuff. You're not. You're going to get it when that wind blows on you. And I want you to know that at John chapter 3, Nicodemus leaves here not believing. But a few chapters later in John chapter 7, it teaches us that Nicodemus believes. He is born again. The spirit and the wind blow on him and he is saved. Jesus says, so it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. The wind of God has blown on them. And, and, And what you see from that is a newness of life. And anyone, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old things have passed away and the new has come. What do you call that? That is called regeneration. That is called the new birth. That is called born again. God has saved that person. There's things that they used to do that they don't like doing anymore. Why? Because God has risen the dead to life in him. It's called the new birth. That's what regeneration is. God has taken a dead person, made them alive spiritually. Yesterday, I had a, a laughing moment with myself. Lecrae is one of the rappers that is very much so a believer of what I'm telling you today. Lives his life for the glory of God according to the truth of Scripture. And he had a concert in Louisville last night, and so I got to go. I don't get to go to many concerts. I don't like going to concerts. I was uncomfortable last night at this concert. But I got to thinking about what was the last hip hop concert that I went to. I'm 34. The last concert I went to was 17 years ago. It was at the Charlotte Coliseum, home to the Charlotte Hornets. It was Bone Thugs in Harmony. That was the last hip hop concert I went to. It was as filthy as filthy could be. If you've ever listened to them, you know that it's filthy. During the 
during the concert, there was smoke everywhere. They brought out big, huge props of marijuana joints. And it was just all of that and just a filthy, filthy concert that I was at while I was a high schooler. And last night I went to one that was as pure as pure could be. And I was thankful to God that the things that I like have changed. I was thankful to God that my heart doesn't love what it used to love. I was thankful to God, honestly, that my kids won't know that me. (laughs) And I was excited that that thought came to my head on Saturday night as I was getting ready to preach on the new birth on Sunday morning. The wind, folks, of the Holy Spirit has blown into my life. And I'm not what I used to be like. I love God. Verse 9 says, and we're done. Nicodemus said said to him, How can these things be? You know what he's asking? Jesus, how are you going to try to tell me that me being a child of God is based off you more than it's based off me? How are you going to tell me, Jesus, that it's not based off my capacity to do something, to qualify myself, to put myself in position to be a child of God? Because here's how I think about it. Tell me what God has said and where do I sign up? Tell me what God has said, and I'll tell you whether I like it or not, or whether I agree or not. And many of you came here today saying the same thing. You didn't come here today saying, this is the Word of God. God is God Almighty. He made me. He can do whatever He wants with me. God, you speak, and I'll submit. Now, people come just like Nicodemus, and they say, well, let me hear what God says, and I'll tell you if I think He's right or not. Nicodemus says, how can this be, Jesus? How can these be? But Jesus answers back in verse 10 and says, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? How have you been committing yourself to the scriptures all along and still think that you're good enough? How have you been committing yourself to the word of God and still think you're worthy to be saved or or that you're prideful that you should be doing right or that you deserve praise or credit or that you are a child of God based off of how good of a person you are? How are you still thinking that way? Have you not read the scriptures? The Psalms, which all of you read before, says there is none who does good, not even one. The Psalms say that there is no one who seeks for God. The Psalms say that no one who seeks for God. And Nicodemus thinks he has sought God. And Jesus says, how do you not get this? You need the wind to blow. Sproul goes on to say regeneration is the gift of God's grace. It is the immediate supernatural work of the Holy Spirit wrought in us. Its effect is to quicken us to spiritual life from spiritual death. It changes the disposition of our souls, inclining our hearts to God. The fruit of regeneration is faith and regeneration precedes faith. What happens when God regenerates somebody, gives them a new birth, is the chains fell off. My soul was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. God puts us in position to go after him, to be living our lives this way. He saved 
raised us with a new birth and we turn our back upon sin in the world and all of that old stuff and then look our eyes on Christ and say, God, I'm surrendering everything to you. Save me. Take me. Forgive me. Make me new. I'm giving everything to you and all that's in the past. And the reason why we've turned to look this way is because he gave us the new birth. The wind blew. The spirit came. And I'm asking you here today, has Jesus saved you? Has the power of God convicted you of your sins and said, I need him to forgive me? And have you seen Christ hanging on the cross and his blood flowing for your sins in which you say, Jesus did that for me and for my sins. God, have mercy upon me and make me new. Knowing that he will. His promises are not in vain. And so here's where we're at. I'm thrilled and I'm excited to know Folks, it seems to be windy around here. It seems to be windy. It seems to me that in this community, with a huge amount of young people that there are, that it hasn't been windy in a long time, but it's starting to get windy. You know when they tell you that it's going to rain tomorrow night? And you keep looking for the rain and all of a sudden about four o'clock, the leaves start turning a little bit. And you think, I, I think it's going to storm. And all of a sudden the wind starts coming a little bit and you're thinking, I, I think it's going to storm. They said it was going to storm. And here comes the wind. I think that's where we're at in Fairdale. I see families and families and families starting to ask, man, should we go to church? Can you help us with God? Can you can can we do a Bible study? Can you answer these questions for me? Can you help us out? Can you talk to my kid? I'm seeing that stuff everywhere. It's getting windy around here. But folks, let's listen that what we're looking for is not to just keep having people come to church. What we're looking for is not to pat people on the back because they're okay with Christianity. We're looking for the power of God, like the wind, to blow the doors off of Fairdale, Kentucky. We're looking for the power of God in the form of the Holy Spirit to come and shake fathers and shake mothers and to shake children and say, I need forgiveness. Confess our sins. Tell our kids, I, I haven't been the best parent. Tell our husbands, I haven't been the best wife. Tell our wives, I haven't been the best husband. Tell the, the community churches, hey, we need help. Point us to the truth of Scripture that the power of God would build up in us and make us people of God. But it's getting windy. And I feel the wind blowing. I see God changing people. I see the new birth happening. Are you on your way to heaven? Will you be saved? Are your sins forgiven? If God has saved you, you are. If you want to be saved today, believe. Hey, there's no shame at all in confessing today, I've not been born again. Because today you can. If you're here today and you've never believed, you've never believed. I know you, I know you go to church. I know you'd call yourself a Christian. I'm talking about belief. I'm talking about life happening in you. If you're sitting there right now thinking, man, this, God's speaking to me. Believe. Cry out, repent, change, turn. Be saved. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, please give us the new birth. Give us spiritual life. God, make it windy around here. Make it windy in here today. Holy Spirit, come. We ask you to. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.